Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And Justin sent me a pop filter for my microphone, so I had to test it out and scream at the top of the podcast. Uh, we're talking cornerbacks and safeties. My people, uh, you know what? And with Wink Martindale, watching cornerbacks is, is fun again. You want to know, one, I always love watching safeties. Cornerbacks, I always hated, but now I love it because I get to just watch press man corners. Because, like, you know what? We're a press man uh, defense, and press man corners are a lot of fun to watch in the draft process when zone corners aren't. Hmm. Glad you tested out that pop filter. Hope it works. Don't really fully know yet. I popped it. Yeah, you, you 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 popped a cherry, all right, Bobby Skinner. It's a great day. Um, there are 13 days until the NFL draft. Uh, Ramsey's Barden days. My humidor is at like 80 percent humidity, which may be too much. I don't know. It's getting a little bit more humid and hot in the state of New Jersey, so humidor's cranking up. Uh, if you're a cigar smoker, key to having a very humid humidor is you put shot glasses inside your humidor. That is the trick. That is the key. Yeah, feeling good. Cornerbacks, safeties, a lot of fun guys in this draft. We're looking at guys with long arms. We're looking at guys that can play, that can be physical, play press, and we're looking at safeties that can fly around the football field. Bobby Skinner, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, and we're also going to look at the Bills' 2020 draft class, kind of just get an idea for what Joe Shane did while under Brandon Bean as the assistant GM. Um, you know what? I'm going to announce the new patrons on the next episode because we got so much to get to. We have we have a bunch of stuff to get to. We appreciate so you, patrons. We're going to announce the new ones on, on the next episode, so don't think we we forgot you guys. All right, let's get into this Bills draft class before we get into the DBs, which is a lot of fun to talk about. And the 2020 Bills draft class, I, I'm, I'm going to say it, the worst one. Yeah. There's, a, there's two day three picks that are kind of nice. Actually, there's three day three picks that are... are there's two day three picks that are really nice and one that's kind of nice and could be nicer. But day one, day two sucked. I mean, they didn't have a first round pick, which always hurts a draft class. Um, you know, and that's part of, uh, you know, you know, trading for Josh Allen and all that good stuff. And it kicked off with round two pick 54 and AJ Epinesa, the edge out of Iowa. You know, the, you know, that big, strong four, three type defensive end, um, you know, a, a power guy, not speed bending the edge. Dumb people compared him to Justin Tuck. Those people are very dumb. How about that? And I bet you there was a lot of Giants fans who are listening to this right now that uh, Oh, I don't I don't mean Tuck. that then. I don't mean that. He has not only not lived up to like what he will expectations, but he's fallen way below. I mean, let's let's keep it simple. In the past 2 years he's played a third of the snaps as a second round pick with two and a half sacks and five tackles for a loss. Like he has In his career? A, yes, it was oh. only 2 seasons, but like that has, you know, it's been a bad pick. And sometimes these guys come, you know, turn out in year three. And we've actually seen that when we looked at the last two Bills classes, where it's like kind of nothing in year one, year two turned out in year three. But when you're a second round pick, you don't really have till year three to turn out. Um, you know, there is rare cases of, of those guys, but like round two picks need to turn out in year two. Yeah, Bobby, AJ Epinesa is one of those cases with the Bills. At, at, and this is pick 54, by the way. So this is like not an early second round pick. This is like a mid, probably a little bit later second round pick. Do math, 30 to 54 minus 32 is uh, 22. Good job. So AJ Epineza was one of those guys that he was talked about as a possible first round pick, but also, you know, that was my first year of really diving into the, the NFL draft. And 
AJ Epineza was one of my least favorite players that could have been taken in rounds one or two. Because when we talk about edge rushers, when we talk about pass rushers, we're looking for can you win in multiple ways? And really, the only way that AJ Epinesa could win was with power and that hand swipe move. He really was not a very well-rounded player at all. So how do you view AJ Epinesa picked at round two, pick 54? Let's talk about where he was picked and kind of forget about his lack of production for right now. I think this is where we all kind of had him, you know, because we thought like, okay, that power is going to work out better. And, and maybe a guy who doesn't have that speed will develop a little better, you know, you know, adjusting to NFL strength, but they've also, you know, um, they've Rousseau has uh, outplayed him and, and, uh, in time and, and just play on the field who was a raw player. Um, this is right about where we had him. I remember me and Anthony talked about him and his matchup versus Austin Jackson, which he did win handedly, but Austin Jackson has been a really bad pro. And I think, I think that might be an example of like, Hey, here's this one-on-one of two guys who were rated high, but weren't good. Uh, but this is where we had him, and uh, you know where he was viewed as like a late first, early second. When we kind of had him as a mid second, me, you, and Anthony. I don't know about you, but me and Anthony had him there. I didn't, th- I, I didn't think he would ever be a star, but I didn't think it'd be this bad. Yeah, so it's one of those things where obviously AJ Epineza hasn't worked out. It's ultimately a negative on the Bills. You know, uh, Joe Shane, Brandon Bean's uh, list resume. But also at the same time, round two, pick 54, they didn't reach on A.J. Epineza. So you kind of have to go back and forth on it. But ultimately, he has been a failure so far. Yeah. All right. Round three, pick 86, uh, Zach Moss running back out of Utah. A lot of people love Zach Moss. For the Bills, it didn't make sense, and he hasn't lived up to you know that round three pick. I mean, he's been the backup to Devin Singletary, who was taken the year before and was a good round three pick for the Bills. And he's just not produced. I mean, even last year. Uh, he averaged 3.6 yards per carry to Devin Singletary's 4.6 behind the same run back. Uh, Devin Singletary's like their clear one. You know, Zach Moss gets a good ch- good chunk of stat uh, uh, of carries. You know, as as the RB two, but he's never just he's never done much with it. Um, you know, and he's had plenty of opportunity. In fact, you know, he's getting carries over Matt Breida, who I don't think he should have. I think you know Matt Breida should have got more run for that offense last year. So. Uh, it's not a great pick, but also when you pair them taking Devin Singletary the year before, it's definitely not a good pick. Yeah, uh, this entire draft class outside of the second round pick and the seventh round pick that were all offense or special teams players. And you have to consider that, you know, the, going back to 2019, they only took one offensive lineman that year. So maybe you would think that, hey, I don't know what the board is looking like in 2020. Can't remember like the back of my hand, but you would think that there's other positions that they maybe can attack besides taking the second straight running back in the third round in the second consecutive year. Yeah, and Singletary had an, an all right rookie year, so bad pick. Now here's where it start, where you hit. Round four, pick 128, Gabe Davis, wide receiver at UCF. I mean, this has been a big hit. I mean, he hasn't been a dominant receiver, but he's been very good for them on a team that has Stephon Diggs. Um both the past, he's caught 35 catches uh, both uh, his rookie's year and the sophomore year, um, 600 yards and 550, 13 touchdowns in those seasons. We all remember the playoff game versus the Chiefs where he had eight catches, 201 yards and six touchdowns or four four touchdowns in that playoff game. He's been really good and and not just looking at stats, but like he lo- has looked like a good wide receiver that, you know, a big guy played on the outside. And in fact, I remember us doing our scouting report on him in UCF. It was so weird how wide their splits are. They had him lining up basically on the sideline. I was like, this is this is a hard guy to judge because of the way UCF uses him. 
but he has really turned out, and I think the ceiling is is high for him, and I think he's gonna get better. So I think this points, uh, this is a really good pick, but it also points to like, hey, they like these kind of big, you know, fast wide receivers. I know this is in the later rounds. This isn't, you know, uh, Christian Watson area, but you know, it does intrigue you about a guy like Christian Watson. Um, you know, even their six round pick we'll talk about kind of fit this mold. Alec Pierce too. We're hoping that one of those. Third, fourth round picks. Uh, hey, I maybe. hope Alex Pierce falls to the third round like draft people have him and he doesn't go like early, second, late, first like like an NFL team might fall in love with him. And that's one of the most exciting things about this draft is that, you know, we're, there are so many good players in this draft that nobody knows exactly where they're going to go or how NFL teams uh, evaluate him. You know, there's only, there, it only, you only need one NFL team or one NFL mind and you only need one mind like Bobby Skinner to call Alec Pierce wide receiver three. So, um, yeah, Gabriel Davis hit round four. That's that's where I'm kind of looking for the Giants to hit on a wide receiver this year if they want to go that route. Round five, pick 167. Don't do this. Please don't do this. Quarterback Jake Fromm. Um, he sucked. He was their four-string quarterback. We saw him. He sucks. He's horrible. He's worse than Mike Glennon. Um, but he did give us... In a time of like, this is hard to make content a week of like, hey, we can get excited about this one drive he had in garbage time. And he had, he complete, he completed a hundred percent of the deep contested, uh, catch all of Kenny Galladay's 20 plus yard yes. catches came from Jake Fromm. How about that? So actually a really good pick. Kenny Galladay's And we first... joked about him cause you didn't know his, his, uh, bad comments yeah. that he had in a text. And then it led to a prank call of Paul Dettino, John Smith and Lance Meadow, which was actually one of the better prank calls we did to them. Not a lot of people know the the origin of that prank call it was me saying that i really like jake Fromm, and you were like yeah you really like him and i was like yeah <laughs> um yeah jake Fromm uh will always be known as the quarterback who gave kenny galladay his one and only deep contested catch of 2021 yeah and not even just jake Fromm sucking but don't take quarterbacks on day two or day three they don't work out i need to go th- uh, now the giants aren't going to because they signed Terod taylor um, but if they didn't sign Terod Taylor and they were like, I would be deep diving, like showing you why taking QBs here and doesn't work out. And didn't they sign Mitch? And don't bring up Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And didn't they sign Mitch that free agency too? No, they signed Matt Barkley uh, that free agency and they signed Mitch this past season. Oh, no, they, yeah, they, okay, got it. But he, he, was, he never was on their active roster, not even, not for one game for the Buffalo Bills. Like he never made the active roster. Like he's a, he's a bad quarterback. Anyways, round six, pick 188. This is a hit, but it's not the fun hit for the six-round pick. It's uh, kicker Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern. Raymond Johnson, shout out. He's been a really, really good kicker for them. Uh, This past year, 51 of 51 in extra points, 28 of 32 on field goals. That's 88%. His rookie season, 57 of 59 in extra points, 28 of 34, 82%. 6 of 10 on 50-plus yard kicks. Um, This is a hit, and I think the Giants may be... In line, to, like if they love a punter, I can see the giant, uh, the Giants doing that because right now they have James Gillian, who's like at, at like the same level of bad as Riley Dixon. I don't I mean, like it, but it, it, but it's it's hard. It's one of those things that's hard to argue. It's like if you think this guy's going to be your great punter or kicker for the next ten years, you do it, but it's not fun. No, don't do it. Don't do it. I see both sides of it, though, because it's like I think adding position players is more valuable, but also the likelihood of your six-round pick being a contributor is low. So if you can get a key member of your team there who you think is like you're very confident is going to be a hit, I understand it. 
It's just not fun, and it's also and sometimes those guys don't work out too. Like they're not sure things. Um, Have a bad punter. Always go for it on fourth down. That's that's my that's my thinking on that. I was just thinking. I can't wait till the season. I'm gonna do a tweet. Like one of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping for is no conversions on fourth downs on prime time to get at analytics people on the defense constantly. Mm. Tyler Bass is a picture on Pro Football Reference. He has one eye black on, does not have the other, and I've never seen that before. Uh, something to look out for when you're scouting punters. If we do scout uh, draft a punter, I will do a film breakdown on him. All right, um, round that. six, pick two hundred seven. This was a miss, but obviously it's a sixth round pick, so you get it. So like it's better pick than or you know Tyler Bass, obviously a much better pick. Six foot four, two hundred ten out of Oregon State wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins. He only played four total snaps. He's currently on their practice squad, um, so not all hope is dead for Isaiah, but at this point he just hasn't played. Um, but again, pointing to like, hey, they like to take uh, shots on size in the you know on day three from the wide receiver spot. He's probably not good enough since Joe Shane didn't take him off the practice squad from the Bills. But he might have wanted to stay on the Bills practice squad. How about mm, that? Screw Joe Shane. What Who's did he last? run in the 40? I'm gonna. I should have looked this up before. Oh, Hodgins. 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 Hodgins combine. He ran. Hop, Hopkins um, lymphoma. Please work, internet. Come on, internet. Work. I've just searched. Hoskins? Hoskins lymphoma? What is it? He ran. Come on. Why is my internet being so I'll find it for you. No, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. Combine measurements, 4.61. Ha, found uh, it for you. Slow, but he's he's a bigger wide receiver. Um, and round seven, pick 239, definitely a hit. Cornerback Dane Jackson uh, uh, out of Pitt. He started six games for them, and though his advanced stats, he uh, uh, allowed 20 completions on 40 attempts, 254 yards, 6.4 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah. He's in line to start right now. Um, and, and if they don't add anybody, like he could be their cornerback one, you know, obviously Taron Johnson is their nickel corner. Dane Jackson might be their cornerback one. This is a huge hit. Um, and I think we've seen too, they like to throw the, throw darts at corners on, on day, uh, day three. Like we've, they've seen that, uh, we've seen it a lot. And when we've looked at these draft classes, it's funny, we're talking about corners today. Are you saying the bills need a cornerback? I know a team that has a cornerback. They do. Um, they sh- honestly should trade for James. You know, when Brandon Bean said we need to get some guys back from them, they should do that. They make the cap space to get um, James Bradbury. Quick, if if it's draft day and the Giants go from pick sixty seven to pick fifty five, and the return for the other team is James Bradbury, how do you feel? I feel like they got the best of what they can, so I'm going to be happy with it. And it's a pick swap, so pick 55 and yeah. pick 67. I mean, Joe Shane is doing his best to trade James Bradbury, not getting raked over the coals. Whatever he gets is the best that he could get. Um, so it's, whatever they trade James Bradbury for, I'll be pleased with. Let's do this very quick. Bills. Which I, it's kind of, I was thinking about it today. It's like we kind of forgot about James Bradbury. Bills draft positions for this year is what they have 57 89 130 168 you could trade from 81 to 57 or something like that don't, don't isn't there isn't there 67 and 81 yeah so if we trade 81 to 57 that could be something i mean it could and it could even be 
10 picks. You know, trading your fourth or something, you know? Like, it, yeah. it could it could be something like that. So, um, but Dane Jackson, I don't, I'm not sure how good of a player he is right now, but he has, as a seventh-round pick, to be in line to start year three. That's a hell of a pick. At a tough position like cornerback. All right, that's the Bills' 20. The 2021 draft class is going to be kind of awkward, being like, well, they had these four six-round picks, and it's year one. Um, so maybe we won't even do it. We'll see. Uh, all right, this episode was brought to you, baseball fans, by DraftKings. It's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. By the way, John Sterling, dude, get it together, man. No, don't say that. I actually get love that Get it together, part John Sterling. It's funny on the internet, but it's like that's that's so embarrassing if if you're here. Like you no. are you're you got to be so embarrassed. Disagree. When you listen to John Sterling, you have to know that that's part of the experience, and that's actually thrilling. <laughs> well, I disagree. I disagree I would be with your off disagreement. If I thought it was a home run, and I'm driving and. A, t- a game tying in the if you're in the, the stadium, if you're in the stadium, you think it's a home run, but then you, but then you have to live with the crushing defeat that it's not, and it's the same thing if you're in the car or you're listening on the radio. It's the same exact thing, which it's ex- it's thrilling in the most terrible of ways. Get it together, John. You've been sloppy, and he did in the playoffs too. He doesn't. He's been doing it for years. He's old, but I love him so much. You know the same. You hate Mike Francesca. My I hate fr- him. Mike Francesca, and I can I can make these same arguments for my my the king. All right, uh, if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still take a swing at stacks of green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play for uh, play free for thousands of prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters. Eight better better while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw uh, your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus restrictions apply and will be trademarks used with permission. See show notes for details. All right, Justin, it's, tar- it's time to talk about these DBs. Um, and the Giants have a big need at safety. They only have two safeties on the roster right now with Xavier McKinney and Julian Love. And at corner, they're most likely going to be without James Bradbury, which would leave them with Adora Jackson um, and two young guys and Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes. And, and Rodarius Williams coming back from an injury. Guys, you can't, uh, you guys, you can be excited for, but not ones you're going to be ex- uh, expecting much out. And Darnay Holmes isn't necessarily a, a scheme fit with Wink Martindale. The first guy we're going to talk about, though, is a scheme fit with Wink Martindale, and I'm in full bloom love. And Justin, I think he's the best player in the draft. The best player? I think he's better than Aiden Hutchinson, and that's Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I really do. I think this guy is rare. Uh, a rare type of cornerback who's just going to be a shutdown corner in the NFL. Like He's going to be like at that Jalen Ramsey level. All right, then I need to stop you. Would you still take Thibodeau over Garner, then? I don't know. I don't know. I, I do because I think edge is hard. I, I, I want that edge. And I think, I mean, I still have Kayvon Thibodeau as a top five player in the draft. But it's it's tough. Like, it really is tough. Um, you, you just threw me off big time because there are people that are going to be mad listening to this that, like, we're not going to be talking about Stingley. Let alone that you just said Sauce Gardner is the best corner, the best player. In the I mean, draft. I would go Gardner, Hutchinson. 
uh, Kayvon, Evan, uh, and Evan Neal is like the top players in the draft. Wow. All right. Tell me why. Well, he had uh, uh, he ran a he's six foot three, one hundred ninety pounds, thirty three and a half inch arms. I mean, that's just a beautiful frame. Well, guess what? With the frame, he ran a four four one forty. He's this tall, lengthy cornerback who will play on the outside and just excels in press man, excels in it. And the speed is there to run with any wide receiver that he's matched up. And that includes Jamison Williams. That includes number four from Notre Dame. I forget his name off the top of my hand. And he's very handsy, which I think is the thing he needs to clean up because he does stay in contact a little past five yards. But hey, if you were a J.C. Horn fan, he's a lot less handsy than J.C. Horn. Like a lot less uh, handsy than J.C. Horn. Uh, he reroutes guys with his length and just works from a point of inside level leverage to just wall guys off. Um, his hips are really nice. He flips them and, and uh, on breaking routes and, and works back to inside leverage as a trailer. Uh, has some really nice pass breakups that way and just closes closes the gap on any release immediately. Like James Bradbury, I think his size and length can be used versus mismatched tight mismatched tight ends. Like, I think that's something that's not talked about. Like, if, you know, as as teams are getting lighter and they're running more 11 and 10, uh, I think you can use him, like, against mismatched tight ends. Like, if we're facing Darren Waller before they added Devontae Adams, like, I, I wouldn't be mad to put sauce on him for, you know, third down reps or red zone reps. When he's in zone and he's a man corner, uh, he plays he plays uh, with inside leverage with an iron uh, on QB and, and just really good feel with the, with, for wide receiver's placement. Um, his instincts show up the most in zone, actually. Um and then another area is like I think he's involved in the run game, blitzing, getting off blocks, and being aggressive. Does miss too many tackles, I think, but it's like we're talking about a cornerback here. And he's got those good ball skills to come back and get an interception or a pass breakup. And Justin, he gave up one catch versus Bama and Notre Dame. One catch, and that was matched up against Jamison Williams where he locked him down. And then the one catch he gave up was on a, a, a drag route pick play where he gave up like four or five yards. That's all. And, and an one of his critiques is that he hasn't faced top-level competition every single week, but the two teams in which he was kind of facing top-level competition, he shut those guys down. Yes. Um, just do- like Not just shut them down, just dominated. Um, he is, I think, the best player in the draft, um, and if the Giants get him, you should be celebrating. Cause he, and he also just fits exactly what Wink Martindale wants to do. And I do think... I, I, I lean cave on, but at the same time, I... I Part of me wants to go sauce because, like, like you said, I do think he's the better player um, than Kayvon. But it's just hard to find those top edges, and I think Kayvon's one of those guys. But I also don't think the Giants are going to be in a spot to pick Kayvon because I think he's going forth to the Jets. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And there, there's a lot of people that adamantly believe that Sauce Gardner is going to be a, a Jet. There's a lot of people that think that Kayvon's going to be a Jet. I would probably lean Salah goes with the pass rusher and – if the Giants walk away with Sauce Gardner uh, night one, uh, day one of the NFL draft, along with the tackle, um, I'm I'm very, very excited. The only reason that I'm nervous about drafting a corner early, and this isn't even drafting Sauce Gardner, the only reason why I'm worried about drafting a corner early is because a guy like Jeff Okuda was the most polished prospect of all time. The best feet, can flow, has the measurements, has this, has that, blah, 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 blah. But cornerback similar to quarterback in a way it is so tough to transition to in the NFL and it's so unpredictable so it's not even a sauce Gardner thing with me but it's just an NFL cornerback and then also as a Giants fan we've had cornerbacks that have been picked in the first round that have been bus like just two of our biggest busts that we've had 
the past decade. And there's been some pretty big first round busts that we've had. But that's different when I think when you're a press man corner who has all the length and ability, has yeah. the speed. Like you have, you check, he checks every single box. Yeah. Um, you know, so that like, you know, this is, I, th- I feel like this is like drafting Jalen Ramsey. I really do. Like I feel that confident in Ahmad Gardner. There's nobody that's going to run more, you know, man and press man than, than Wink Martindale. You know, he's right up there. Uh, he had the most press, press coverage snaps in the country this year and the fourth most man coverage snaps um, in the and country. He didn't give up any catches. Year. He didn't give up any catches. He didn't give up any touch. Like, he literally didn't give up any touchdowns. And to be playing in man, you know, this wasn't, this isn't Patrick Sertan Jr. playing in the cover three Alabama scheme. Um, like, this has been, like, tested every single rep. And there's some other guys I like on here, but it's like, hey, when they're playing pressed up there, sometimes they give up the back shoulder or they overextend or they give up speed. Like, he checks every single box, you know, like, and again, having that Alabama and that Notre Dame game to uh, go watch uh, the film on it and just like he dominates every single rep. Every single rep is dominant from Sauce Gardner. Yeah, and I think it's actually helpful to look at his entire career when you're talking about the completions and attempts that he's allowed and, and that's come towards him. You have to look at his entire career to really get a good sample size because nobody threw at him, Bobby. Like th- this past year. Nobody threw at him. We're going to be talking about Kobe Bryant, you know, the the other cornerback that Cincinnati had on the other side. He had like 83 targets that went his way this year because te- it was part of the game plan that teams just did not throw to Sauce Gardner. And there were also some teams and some coaches that actually put the, one of their worst wide receivers on Sauce Gardner because they knew that they're not going to throw his way regardless of what wide receiver is on him. The fact that coaches admitted that, it, it, it means something. So 60 completions, 138 attempts in his entire career at Cincinnati. That's a 43.4 completion percentage allowed, 712 yards, three interceptions each year with no touchdowns. So he's How good, many man. yards per like completion was it? What was the yards and completions? Um, so you want yards per completion? Well, just how many completions did he give up and how many yards? That's 712 yards total in his career divided by 60 is 11.86. For to have that low of a completion rate yeah. paired with that is beautiful. And his average depth of target allowed was less than 10. It was 9.8. Unreal. Unreal player. Um, and, and those stats can be flawed too where it's like sometimes it's just like i would love to see it when it's just in man coverage when it's not like the zone stats where they're just tracking the closest player to the ball um which it would be even more dominant so and you talk about his arms you 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 talk about his arms how the best corners yeah okay yeah um i want to have that conversation a little more when we're talking about roger mccray but arm length does matter when it comes to corners and i think and i think sauce has one of the longest arms like out of any corner coming out of the last couple of years, like he's up there in like percentile of all corners that have come out in the last couple of years. Sauce Gardner's 33 and a half inch arms are, are up there. And that's very, very important, especially when you're playing press man. So, and this is, so I'll, I'll I want to talk, this is just cornerback play in general, but in a league where guys are flagged so much for being handsy, which sauce could have a little bit of problem being a little handsy, at the at the NFL in the next level, but in a league where so much is centered on passing, completing the pass, keeping the drives going, explosive plays, I find that it is so so important. Not that guys aren't going to get the ball thrown to them. I kind of want corners where I want them to be targeted. Like I want my number one cornerback to be targeted, not because guys are open, but because I want corners that can make plays on the football. And with guys that have long arms. 
they can make plays on the football, whether they're going down the field on a streak, whether they're coming back on the sideline and then you're you're diving and you're making a play on the football as the ball arrives. That is a huge part, I think, of where the NFL is going to go, of not necessarily this lockdown corner that's never targeted like a Byron Jones, but a cornerback like an a la 2020 James Bradbury that is targeted, but he's making plays on the football left and right, left and right, left and right, and forcing incompletions. That's fair, but also... Part of that is just like there's you don't find guys that are just shut down corners in the NFL anymore. Uh, you do, but like they're rare. All right, let's talk about a safety. And this guy is viewed as a lot of people have him as the number one player in the draft. And that's Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame, six foot four, uh, two hundred twenty pounds. He's he's been really good for for Notre Dame. He's uh, you know uh, eight interceptions the past three seasons. You know contributes and he contributes in every part of the field. You know he's this big lanky frame that you just don't really see from a safety, especially one that has his ability to move. Um, and he lines up all over, whether it's center field, box, you know, at, at nickel, and he just in man coverage, you just kind of you don't see that from a safety that size. You don't really see that type of man coverage. He's good at keeping his his hip square until opening up and and just staying right in that receiver's hip pocket. Um, you put him in off coverage, like he's he stays cool, calm, and collected. He's, uh, he's not uh, he's not going to jump at the stem, so he's, he won't be beat on double moves. Uh, and I just think he's a patient player who can you know you, it can lead to. But I I I think him being patient at the same time could lead to like slot wide receivers running past him. Uh, and you actually saw that in the Cincinnati game on a couple of reps. Really good agility and and his range is pretty damn good. Uh, I will say this when it comes to his range. He can hit the sideline from center field. But that FSU interception is overrated to me, Justin. It's a good interception. It's a really good interception. But I feel like a lot of safeties, at least the top guys we're going to talk about, could make that that play. It's, it's a good anticipation. But at the same time, it's a QB who sits in the pocket, uh, stares down the receiver, and then rolls out, not even fastly rolls out, and then just throws a horrible duck of a throw. Um, that play is not happening in the NFL. Um, it's a cool play. It really is. But I do think it's a little overrated because I do think he has some straight line speed issues. Um, I, re- I really do. I don't think the 40 time is fake. I do think he needs to be more aggressive coming as- up as a tackler. Uh, but when he's when he's lined up in the box, he'll do fine. And he's a, he's really a nightmare for run fits with his instincts. But even without like A plus physicality, but he kind of like there's times where he looks like Isaiah Simmons at times when you line him up in the blocks. But teams either avoided him or he was making a play on the ball, which is what you look for for a safety. And that's kind of talking about what you're talking about with your cornerback position. And he's a high IQ Notre Dame. Notre Dame asked him a, a, a lot to do a lot, and he was very rarely out of place. He's a really good player, Justin, but if the Giants are pick five and seven, I'm not on board with Kyle Hamilton. There's seven players in this draft I want more than him. Yeah, not not at all. And especially because Xavier McKinney is one of the two players on the roster where I feel like you don't you don't pick someone early because of his presence. And Andrew you you're not picking a left tackle um because you have Andrew Thomas, and then I think Xavier McKinney is that guy too. Um who's the better talent? Um, Isaiah Simmons or Kyle Hamilton? You already mentioned Simmons. So who's the better talent coming out? Hamilton, because he plays safety. Where it's like that talent's all nice for Simmons, but you gotta you gotta be strong, use your hands, and fit in the run. Yeah. Um, you're not gonna embarrass offensive linemen like you did in college. So Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I had more fun watching Simmons, but Kyle Hamilton is definitely going to translate better to the NFL. Yeah. yeah. If Hamilton lined up in the box every play, he, there would be a lot more fun stuff form but at that safety position a lot of times you're just being avoided um which you know again i thought like i said i think he was either avoided or making a play 
except for that Cincinnati touchdown that he gave up. Yeah, I think Hamilton's experience in the slot too is extremely, extremely valuable. Um, you know, having that frame, being six four, two hundred twenty pounds, with you know, hey, some people are saying that you know he can add on to that frame too a little bit. Uh, I think that's a matchup nightmare for tight ends, and and if and if Hamilton can be that plus some more, plus do some stuff deep, uh, plus line up, you know, line up in the slot, you know, follow those tight ends, play the run well. If he can do that, I think that his biggest weapon he can have in the National Football League is covering those tight ends. Because if, if if you're a team that has a premium tight end, like that separates you from the pack. And if Kyle Hamilton could be a guy that can shut that down, that's huge. And that's what makes him the best safety in the draft is to have ability to cover the tight ends, not only with the speed to face the faster guys, but have the size. We're going to talk about Daxon Hill in a second. I love Daxon Hill, but he's going to struggle um, when he, uh, versus contested situations, which is huge when you're covering these big-ass tight ends. Uh, you know, these Travis Kelsey types or Darren Waller. Like, you got to be able to cover the contested catch, and Daxon Hill has that issue at times. So that's what makes Kyle Hamilton. Is like you can line him up on a tight end, and he can kind of he can win that matchup versus the better guys. So again, he would be a huge asset for the Giants, but I just I there's seven players on the board that I want more for, than Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, if they trade back. It can be something. I don't really buy into the Xavier McKinney thing as much as you because there is two safeties um, on the field, and sometimes there'll be three safeties on the field. Um, you know, and both those guys are interchangeable. Where you can play them all over the field, which I think uh, Wink Martindale wants to do. Um, but I just at the end of the day, there's seven players in the draft I want more uh, than than Kyle Hamilton. All right, next on this list is a very intriguing guy because I like him. I like him a lot, and that's Auburn cornerback Roger McCree, five foot eleven, one hundred ninety pounds. And here's something that's not good. It's not good. Twenty eight and seven eighths inch arms. That is not good. He ran a four five forty. Um, let's look at some advanced stats for him though. Uh, like uh, Sauce Gardner, forty five point three percent passes, uh, five point nine yards per attempt, thirteen yards per catch. Uh, you know, one touchdown versus two interceptions. It was just really good all every year at Auburn, and even against Jamar Chase, he did really well. He led the SEC in pass breakups, and again, he is a he is a press man coverage. Um, even though he's got success in both zone and man, you know, there's not like one that's totally favored. But a man coverage is where he makes his plays, playing pressed up. He plays tight with a good release recognition, and he uses his hands really, really well. And he just stays in the hip of the wide receiver deep, uh, and that showed up against you know guys like Jahan Dotson and, and like I said, Jahan uh, Jamar Chase earlier. It just forces guys to the sideline. In zone, he's got great pattern understanding to call things out, uh, you know, and he's got really good feel uh, feel with when he has his back turned to peek at the QB when he's playing like that deep third uh, cover three type scheme. When he's playing off, I, here's where I think he needs some help is when he's playing off, he's very aggressive, so he gets beat on like double moves or, or like whip routes or something. And I think he can give up too much space when he's in his back pedal. But at the end of the day, I think he needs to be playing closer to the wide receiver and not off as much. Um, and then in the run game, he comes off blocks like a linebacker. Justin, I really like Roger McCreary, but the arm length thing is real. And you look at the the, the stats and the numbers and the guys with have short arms. Not even like just short arms, just like 30-inch arms or 29-inch arms. And he has, he has really short arms. And it's hard to ignore that that has been an issue in the NFL with outside press corners. Yeah, it helps that McCreary has played in the SEC. He's re- he's received 183 total career targets in the SEC as well. So it's not even like he's just a one-year wonder. Um, he has plus-plus experience in the SEC and you know just playing there. I I feel like that means something. And he led the league. Uh, he led the league. He led the nation in forced incompletions this year, which 
again, for a guy with short arms the that's hell playing the corner. That, 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 the guy that's playing with short arms in the conference that transfers probably best over to the NFL, he led that he led the nation, not just the SEC, he led the nation in those forced incompletions. And I hear you with the I hear you with the short arms, but also saying, okay, well, he's gonna be a slot guy. And a lot of the slot guys in the National Football League are a little bit smaller um than, you know, your boundary outside guys, right? But he just plays like an outside like it'd be it'd be a shame to not let a guy who plays so well on the outside and not play the outside, you know, and it's not like he, you know, struggles with contested catches. Like he's good at that. Um but like here I, I found this tweet from Andrew Russell. Uh cornerbacks with uh less than thirty inch arms. And now let's not forget he just doesn't just have less than thirty inch, he has twenty eight uh, and seven eighth in his arms, who have played more than four hundred uh, four hundred snaps in a season at outside cornerback in the last uh, two thousand seventeen, five years. Ross Cockrell, Dante Jackson, Cameron Sutton, Troy Hill, and Avante Maddox. Like it's hard, it's hard to ignore that. But at the same time, Justin, here's why I'm a little more comfortable with him is, again, uh, Link Martindale likes to play so many heavy uh, DB personnel. And if it doesn't work out on the outside, you can feel good. Like, okay, Roger McCreary is just a really good slot corner. Yeah, that's that's where I feel like he, he, he can be, and I feel like that's where he should be. Um, he, he plays like a pest. That's That's honestly my main note about him. Roger McCreary just won't go away. He has this competitive mentality. You did a breakdown on... Him versus um, uh, Jahan Dotson as well. And Jahan someone Do- I think who should go in the slot as well. Jah- Jahan Dotson. That's why I really like that breakdown that you did because two guys that are you know ideally going to go in the slot, top competition. They played each other. You know there were some routes in McCreary run. There were some routes that uh, Dotson won, but even some of the routes that you know Dotson won, McCreary was kind of right there, and he's a pest. And he's not going away. He's not going to give up on a play. He's not going to get beat too bad. So I feel like he can fit. I feel like he really can fit in the slot, and I feel like that's kind of where he has to go. Yeah, it'll be a shame that he can't transition to the outside with the short arms, but I think that's just his natural path in the NFL. Yeah, and at the, uh, and you know the nickel corner has to be really important in the way uh, you fit against the run, and he does really good at that. Um, you know, and that's something the Bills found with Taron Johnson. Uh, like he's he's big in that role. Like that's going to be a huge role uh, in Wink Martindale's defense. So. As much as like I did say, like it's kind of a shame that you know you're, you're not going to get to use this guy on the outside. Like it's just as important um, to play that when you're playing that man coverage. You know, this isn't Patrick Graham's scheme where you know you're kind of playing the flat defenders and you're matching with cover three, where you can put a guy like Darnay Holmes out there. Um, now that leaves the question: What happens with Aaron Robinson? Maybe Aaron Robinson can fit a little bit outside, which I don't, which I think is possible. Um, you know, for him to grow into that role, but. Uh, this is a new regime, and and we can't not draft over a guy like Aaron Robinson. Like yeah. there's good flat, but you can't not you can't let Aaron Robinson stop you from drafting a guy. And I I took him with my second round pick in that post senior bowl mock draft because he looked really good down there as well. Yeah, I I I agree hundred percent. All right, let's hit the safeties again. Bing bang bing boom. This guy I fell in love with fell in love with him, and that's safety out of Michigan, Daxton Hill, six foot one hundred ninety two pounds. Uh, ran a four three eight forty, a four oh six shuttle, a six five seven in the three cone drill. Oh, where does that rank? Oh, he only had the second best three cone drill and shuttle at the whole damn combine. Why about that? Uh 
four interceptions the past four, uh, three seasons uh, while while contributing. He's just a versatile safety who's going to line up all over, whether it's deep, nickel, the box. And I think he's got elite safety speed and agility paired with good, really good instincts. Justin, like, I, I, he's a fun, fun player to watch because he does it all. You can put him in nickel. Like, he... When you talk about lining up with nickel, like, no, I think he can line up against slot wide receivers. I yes. really do when you yes. watch him. You can line him up on good slot wide receivers in the NFL. Not just like, hey, we throw our safety down, uh, buzz him down, and put him on the slot receiver to play the flats. No, I think you can put him on slot re- good slot receivers and let him play man coverage. It's unreal yes. how good this guy is. I agree. He might find more of a role there than he does at safety. Like, I can see that happening as well. Yes, um, yes, yes. He keeps his eyes on the QP, beat on the, his eyes on the QB, and routinely baits and undercuts throws in zone. Like his zone IQ just shows up all the time, and it's when he's passing things off. And again, when you put him in man coverage, he's able to play off and run with wide receivers. Gets his hands on guys, flips his hips and trails. He's not gonna like jam you up like crazy, uh, but he's able to you know play cornerback really. Justin, here's the big thing, though, is that he does struggle with contested catches. There was times where he had really good coverage and he gave up the catch. Like I think I view him as a first-round pick. I view him as like a top 20, 25 pick. But that does worry me for a guy that, you know, you're going to want to put in man coverage against tight ends at times. Bobby, Daxton Hill is the exception to my, hey, Xavier McKinney, you don't take somebody because he's on the team, blah, blah, blah. He's the exception because I agree with you. I think he is going to be everything for, let's just say, the Giants, right? I think he can be anything for a football team. I think he can be a safety. I think he can be in the box. I think he actually is pretty aggressive. I I, I was reading some stuff He'd that was like... He'd be like Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I, I was reading some stuff where it's like, you know, oh, he's not that good against the run. He doesn't come up. He's not physical. I disagree. He I comes disagree up. Too. I think he's physical just because he's 192 pounds doesn't mean that he, does, that he doesn't bring some pop and he doesn't bring something to the party. He does. He wants to get his nose in there. He wants to help out his teammates. So he could be in the box. He could be split, you know, with, with McKinney on one side, you know, he's on the other, and then they then they roll into something different uh, post-snap because that's what Wink likes to do with cover one. He could be a slot guy. He, I think that's good. I think that's so valuable, and that's where the NFL is going to go. Where you know the Giants, yeah, they lined up in eleven personnel all last year, but that was also with Evan Ingram as like a, the, the slot wide receiver, but he's technically listed as a tight end. So you, that this is like where the NFL is going, where they're they're going to flank guys out more. You're seeing it with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. They they run ten personnel and the four wide receivers all the time. So you know if Daxon Hill. Is there in the second round 36? I think he, I actually think he's my new favorite 36 target, but that's unlikely. And if we do trade back, he is right up there with Devin Lloyd as I think slamming, slamming the Devin Lloyd, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson. If we do trade back, those four guys, uh, give me Daxon Hill is joining that list for guys that can fall to 36. Like Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson have been thrown out as guys there. Those guys would be ahead of him. He'd be after that. He'd be ahead of Leo Chanel for me. Um, hell, he'd be ahead of Tyler Linderbaum if Tyler Linderbaum uh, slept there, which is looking more and more real as the day goes by. It's funny how the conversations change against Tyler Linderbaum when we're going off of more of a stupid-ass PFF grade and him running a straight line versus Kentucky. I digress. Um, but, yeah, I'm in full bloom love with Dax because he does everything and he does it well, and he's a smart, smart player. Like, I did a breakdown on that interception he had versus Wisconsin. It's an, it was an elite interception, and those are my favorite plays in football, is being able to bait and then use your athleticism. He can do that all. And again, he's got just elite agility and shows up in the combine testing. Yeah. He can literally be 
a huge, huge Swiss Army knife. And I think he is a player that fits where the NFL is going. Safety, slot corner. Um, I, yeah, I guess covering tight ends, that, that may be a little bit of a concern. But, I mean, he, he's a guy that can do it all for you, and he can do it in a lot of different ways. So, I'm all for it. Love him. All right, next on this list, going back to the cornerbacks, Alante Taylor, cornerback out of Tennessee, six foot, one hundred ninety-five pounds, thirty-two and one quarter inch arms, ran a four-three-six forty. Um, Justin, I really like this guy. You know, we talked about second round. If this guy falls to the third round, he might be at the top of my board. Uh, if they don't go cornerback early, he's a big physical cornerback who I think plays well both in man and zone, and he has the long speed to keep up with anybody. Um, I do think his agility is a little lacking; might have some stiffness and in his hips. Um, but here's something you notice about him. He packs a fucking punch when oh, he's yeah. jamming wide receivers up. I mean, just brings it every single time. And he just slows the releases uh, of the wide receivers with good leverage and jam. And again, having the ability to run with those guys and press them into the sideline. Um, again, I think he's just going to excel and bump and run coverage and just stay in that wide receiver's hip as a trailer. Now, here's something I will say, and this is related to that. I think when in the run game, He's more focused on just fighting the wide receiver than shedding blocks at times. Where it's like, you could shed this block, but you're sitting here just basically like punching the wide receiver in the throat, which part of me loves because it's a mental game, but also you're going to hurt your wide receiver. Ment- uh, like you're going to get in his head more if you're beating him for, you know, zero yard gains as a tackler. But anyways, that, I mean, he just, you got to, you got to put him in bump and run coverage and he's big and he plays big. Um, when you when you put him in zone, I don't think he pounces out of his back pedal and, and that talked about kind of some of the short area agility. Um, and then some when you false steps, lot lot of yeah. lot of false steps in there. Yeah, and and then when you put him in off man coverage, I think he's like he doesn't close the gap versus those shorter routes, which is again you can't just play press up all game, even though you can do it a lot with him. Um, when he's in zone, he looks really good though. Very great route recognition. Like he looks beautiful. He, he he recognizes route concepts like an NFL player. You know, we'll talk about Elam later. Where it's like he's just got some stuff he's got to clean up. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you're putting Taylor ahead of Elam here. Yeah, I, I was too. And and now Elam, Elam's this past year was worse than the year before. We we hit on Elam on the way too early draft pod, and he looked worse this year. Uh, he really did. But I, I, I'm going to bet on this guy who can do all these things really well, but may not have the best break out of his uh, stance when playing off coverage like uh, like Elam can. Um, and I think that's why Elam might go higher because he has better traits and uh, he's shown an ability to do a good job. But we'll, we'll get to him in a second. Really, that's the only weakness to me. Is like, And um, I hate to do player comps, but he reminds me of James Bradbury, but a little more physical. I think he could be better in press man than James Bradbury, though, right? Yeah, but I think he won't be. I mean, it's not going to translate perfectly into the NFL. You know, James Bradbury looked good at press man, I'm sure, in college. I didn't watch him as a draft player, so yeah. you did tell me. But you see the issues when he's in that off-man coverage, you know. So, it's like, you do see some issues when he's in man coverage. Um, and Bradbury's pretty good playing that press man on the sideline. It's those crossers that he has issues on. Um, and Taylor was better than that. But, again, he's playing at the college level. Yeah, I think Taylor's also he's a he brings the physicality. You know, when you're talking about at the line and with those wide receivers, and then if he actually sheds those blocks early, I think he brings it uh, in the run game as well. And I and I do think it is worth talking about how cornerbacks play the run when you have more schemes that are going outside the tackles, and you know, again, you're you're spreading the field out more. You're, you're, whether you're throwing more screens, you need cornerbacks that can tackle. You know, having a cornerback that can't tackle that's going to be something that an opposing offense coordinator will circle and they'll really try to take advantage of. Um, seems like Taylor can can bring that. I find that sometimes between his false steps 
and also I find that his eyes are on the quarterback a little a, a little too often. Like if he if if you're playing press, your eyes shouldn't be on the quarterback and what the quarterback's doing. When you're playing press, you should be following and mirroring that wide receiver. So I find between those two things. Don't think so much. You know, with those false steps of trying to anticipate where a guy's going to go, we're doubting what you're seeing. Just flow. You know, play, continue to play smooth. So um, I really like Elante Taylor, um, and I and I think he's another guy that can fit Wink pretty well, and a guy that you know you kind of have to project a little bit. But uh, why not? Let's 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 do it if you're if you're a mid round draft guy. Yeah, and we saw we've seen that you know Joe Shane and, and Brandon Bean drafted guys like this in the mid rounds. Like I, I I like him and I like I just like the attitude he comes with too. I think that does matter at the cornerback position. Like he plays like a bully, um, and he's going to be in your face every single rep of the game. And I do like that guy. So why don't you read an ad before we hit Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State? All right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about athletic greens and ag1 i started taking ag1 because you already know i'm on a diet i've lost around like 50 pounds i'm on a little bit of a calorie deficit on my diet so i start off every single morning with some ag1 it provides me with some energy it provides me with fuel and it gives me a little bit more focus i would say i would estimate probably allows me to finish two more draft prospects per day than if i were not drinking AG1 with a glass of water every single morning. So, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics. That's a lot, 75, to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients and sports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, which if I'm on a calorie deficit, need that immune system to be up, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply. That's a lot of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. It'll be perfect when you go to North Carolina with us. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash giants to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Shout out to Weez. Jaquan Bwiska. Jaquan Bwiska. He likes Bwiskit. Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. This guy just looks like a safety. Six foot one, 200 pounds. 31 three quarter inch arms ran a four four nine forty six tackles for a loss for for Penn State this past year uh, five interceptions the past three years. Listen, he's a big athletic safety who can just line up all over the field, and I think that's a theme of the safeties we're looking at in this pod. And we're going a little top heavy with the safeties, but again, you can line up all over the field, and that is valuable in what Wink Martindale does. Whether it's you line them up deep as you know too high or as a single high, you put them down the box or you put them down in man coverage. I think he's got decent speed, but better agility and strength. Uh, and he just kind of has this di- downhill mindset, and he just bl- like he's putting them against blockers on the perimeter, like he blows them up, and he blows up you know screen plays or or you know the RPOs and stuff. And he, I think he does this role a lot better than the next safety we're going to talk about. I think he's aggressive, but he's very smart in his aggression. Um, when he's playing that too high, he takes away the underneath, but but without being reckless and out giving up big plays. As a center fielder, I I don't know how great he'll be at that. Uh, he'll do it. I think he'll be an adequate at it, but I just don't think he's the best at ball tracking uh, deep down the field. 
but you know he and and I think he's better playing up now. He could fit the run well from that center field, and he'll he'll stop big plays. But I, I just I don't think that's going to be where he's best. Uh, but definitely playable of that, of that. And then you put him in man coverage, and he gets his hands on tight ends and wide receivers, and, and is glued to them. Like he stays square at the stem while not giving up ground on the cuts. You know, there's a lot of guys who are very patient at the stem of a route, but it's like okay, well they lose ground on the break. You know, it's like they're not going to get beat, but they lose ground. On, uh, you know, they're not going to get beat with huge plays, but they give up ground. He doesn't. Like, he's glued in their hip uh, at those. So you can play him in that off or press man coverage. Uh, and I think he's just going to do really good against tight ends. Maybe not as good at, on wide receivers as, you know, Hamilton or, or Daxon Hill. Uh, and then he's not going to blow up plays in the box, but he's he's adequate. And I just think he's a great physical attack, right? He's, I don't think anything about Brisker really just wows you, but I think he's going to be a good, solid safety, and I kind of view him in that second-round range. I think he's going to be a cowboy. Yeah? What makes you say that? Either it's going to be him or a wide receiver or Zion Johnson. And I think that Dan Quinn could use somebody like a Jaquan Brisker, who he's a tone, he's a tone setter. He brings it. Um, Quinn has, you know, he, he's obviously had those guys when, when he was with Seattle in the Legion of Boom. And I think Jaquan Brisker fits that mold of what a guy like Dan Quinn looks for. Yeah. Um, I do think he fit what Wink does do. Cause he's, he's this versatile safety. You can do everything and play man coverage. Yeah. The, the only thing that I have uh, some questions, but he won't on, be my favorite at 36 though. Yeah, no. The only thing that I have some questions on is how how are you going to be go how are you going to be doing when you're moving uh backwards instead of forwards because I think he he's like I said he's a tone setter, he wants to he's physical at the point of attack, you know, he he wants to do all those things. So how are you going to do when you're moving backwards instead of always moving forward? I don't know if Penn State asked him to do a ton compared to some of these other safeties that we're talking about. So yeah, he, 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 that I agree with that. He wasn't asked to do a ton, but he did make some awesome plays with instincts like that interception yeah. versus Wisconsin was beautiful. You know, like he has good instincts and, and he, 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 he plays instinctual, but smart, you know, taking over the, under, you know, the crossing routes, the over routes, um, underneath again. And we're going to talk about a safety in Lewis sign who I think does that, but also will give up big plays. Um, and he, he, a little reckless at times. Um, so. All right, Kyir Elam, cornerback out of Florida, and like we mentioned before, didn't have this wasn't great this past season, but had some really good film the year before. Six foot, two hundred ninety six pounds, thirty and seven eighth inch arms, so he fits the frame. Ran a four three nine forty. Um, I think he's a great traits cornerback who can play both man and zone, uh, and obviously the long speed is there, and as well as the agility. But I, he just needs to fix some stuff in his technique, man. There's times where it's just like he doesn't look confident playing out there. There was times this past year he just didn't look confident. Um, now, he does have good ball skills, and he plays through the catch point. Um, part of it is I think Florida asked him to do a lot more this past year, whether it's outside nickel and, the, you know, they were rotating their corners into, you know, playing the deep safety spot times. I feel like they just asked him to do too much, and I think you just need to simplify him. Like, hey, play outside corner, play man coverage, play the deep quarters and, and zone. Um, and that's when he's best, when he's playing press man. Um, but, but – not he's not his best when he's jamming guys up. Pressing jamming is different. And when he's jamming and get his hands on guys, that's where he gets in trouble. Now, when the jam lands, he really reroutes wide receivers and, and just kills and destroys the route. He did it to Jameson Williams a few times out of Alabama. Like he won that matchup with those two guys. Um but 
when he loses the jam, he loses it bad. He loses the release, and he just has trouble staying connected after those losses um, and, and recovering. Like, And he gives up big plays, um, and that's a real issue. But I think that is technique-fixable stuff. So again, when we're talking about different corners, like Elam's got a high ceiling, but he does need some things to be fixed about him. Now, like other guys, like Elante Taylor doesn't have... He's got a really smooth backpedal, and he pounces out of it. I mean, it's he can get out of his backpedal and make a play up on the ball or on a curl route really, really well. So that's where you, you see the stuff in zone um, play. But I do think he's got good instincts in zone, but he just kind of will lose leverage at times, and he's too worried giving up the big play, and he's not playing his zone correctly because he's just bailing um, too early. Uh, he's just like so uh, very worried and, and bailing and... Um, also, to backtrack a little bit, when I was talking about like in man coverage, when he loses that release, he just overextends himself um, in his recovery. So he just gets beat badly when a receiver makes a cut on a post dig, you know, whatever, you know, name your route that has a sharp cut on it. Um, and he just gets beat badly on those. So there's times where he gets beat badly and there's times where he will grab, you know, and he'll get pass interference calls or he illegal had seven penalties, penalties in 10 games this year. Yeah. So it's an issue. It's an issue. Like he's. Uh, I think out of all these corners, he's the one that's like, you, you got to fix this guy a little bit uh, because it looked like he was lacking confidence this past season. Um, I have him as like a late second round guy. Really? But he's got first round talent. He's got first round talent. He's probably going to go in the first. You think so? Yeah. Uh, just, I, again, I, I kind of, for, for, for corners and, again, I'm not, I'm not fully smart enough to, hey, I project this guy to go here. Um, Elam's probably going to be a first round pick. And, and I... I kind of had a I had a note of like a sauce light because I think when he can get his hands on you and when he can press, I do think he's a lot. I think he's pretty solid in that regard where he can actually slow a guy down at the line and you know disrupt him that way. But he doesn't do it consistently, and that's yeah. what we're. And when he doesn't do it, he gets beat badly, you know. And that's how you go from a fun prospect to a guy who's giving up 900 yards in a season, you know. Um, and, and those are the things that worry me about it. But again, he is a first round talent. Um, but I'm not sure he's a first round player. Like I, yeah. I, if we were in the late first round, I would, uh, I would feel uneasy. Even if we pick him at pick 36, it's a pick to get excited about. He's got a lot of talent. He'd be really good. And he would fit, uh, Wink Martindale, but it's like, it's, it's a risky pick to me. Cause I think there's real issues there that need to be cleaned up. Yeah. Allowed less than a 50% completion rate in his career. Average eight yards averaged at the target. Some of that can be scheme related and, when you have over a thousand snaps of experience against SEC competition, you, you take that. So um, I, I get when you say like, "Hey, traits," but also this isn't a guy that's kind of just brand new to football. Um, you know, he's ha- he has over he has that experience in the SEC, which is valuable. So we'll see, we'll see where he, where he winds up. Speaking of SEC guys, our last safety we're going to hit on. Uh, actually, the next guy we're going to hit is a, a safe uh, a LSU guy, so SEC. Um, we made a little program note uh, editing. Lewis signed safety out of Georgia, six foot one, two hundred pounds, thirty two and a quarter inch arms. Ran a four three seven forty. You that was fast. Um, he's a deep safety, Justin, but he plays with a downhill mindset. Um, I think his speed is good, but he does lack the burst if he's working center field. Um, he he plays very physical. He plays a physical brand of football, and that obviously fit what Georgia did. Uh, when you talk about him in coverage, I think he's adequate in man coverage, but I think he's going to give up a step. Um, I don't think I wouldn't be super comfortable putting him in man coverage a lot. You can put like I think he's a guy you could put in spot uh, situations in man, but you put him in there consistently and he will get beat. Um, 
One, I just think he doesn't have that great burst, uh, you know, when he's not running full speed. Uh, and he can be really grabby at the stem of the route. Um, when he's in zone and too high, he's very aggressive playing the underneath routes. Very aggressive. And he eliminates them. And that ruins progressions. That turns into sacks. That turns into strip sacks. And it turns into interceptions. So, like, that's exciting, even though he didn't have the best, inter- uh, you know, ball production at Georgia. But here's the thing. Because I worry he's going to get beat when biting from that too high look. I mean, go watch the Bama game. He gave up a touchdown versus Jamison Williams, and I know Jamison Williams is fast, but it didn't need to give up that touchdown. And the first one where Jamison Williams just burnt the entire defense, I'm not sure because it was a very weird defense to call, but there's a very good chance he just overbid on it and was beat badly. So that's the thing that worries me about a guy. You know, it kind of reminds me of Andre Sisco out of Syracuse last year. It was like, there's some great plays. Uh, Andre, Andre Sisco had much better production um, than him. But it's like there's just too much chance taking, and you can't really pl- take those type of chances all the time with safety. Um, in the run game, he does fit the alley. He, f- he fills the alley really da- uh, well downhill, and he just he just brings it. Uh, you know, brings a lot of pop. Even though I think it'd be a better tackle, um, Justin, I think at the end of the day, he's going to fit best for those reasons I mentioned before as a single high safety. But being interchangeable and, and working down as like the underneath cover, you know, like the Rob kind of like what Logan Ryan did this past year uh, for the Giants when they rotated. So you can rotate him. Uh, but he likes to come downhill and underneath in the routes. And so I I, I view that. And it's like, okay, how do we work with this guy? Because I think he's going to get beat deep taking too many chances. I would hope that he would be more like Jabril Peppers in 2020 where he's mostly in the box. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a disservice to sign if you're not putting him in the box and you're not allowing him to be aggressive, whether it is against the run or be aggressive with him as a blitzer, uh, because um, you know most like the Georgia defense, he's another guy that just plays like a bat out of hell and he goes sideline to sideline and he can make plays. So that's that's where I feel like he he can really go, um, especially as a blitzer and especially coming down and playing the run. Like that should be I think it would be a disservice to him if he doesn't do that. I think he's a good player, but I think he's overrated. The conversations I heard about him um, before watching him and then watching him, and I was like, oh, I, I don't agree with the consensus on Lewis sign. You know, like I heard um, uh, someone say, like, hey, he's closer to Kyle Hamilton than any other safety is no, close to, no. to Lewis sign. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Um, he, I think he would be a reach at pick 36. And the Giants have brought him in for a top 30 visit. Seems like they've done that with the entire Georgia team, but... Anyways, yeah, I, I wouldn't be thrilled with him at at, at thirty six, uh, just because I feel like if you, like for that role of we're gonna kind of put you in the box and or or we're gonna ask you to you know go back once, I I feel like Julian Love can do what he's going to do at least from day one, at least day one, but that's just me. Yeah. Um. Again, I I just. I, but there's, I there's of, guys I, that are I, more I don't know where to. I don't know where you're gonna find a role for him, and he's just gonna be great in it. Besides, like I, I think he can be a solid player, but I just don't think he's ever going to be a great player. Where those last three safeties, um, I can see being great. Definitely Hill and and Hamilton, uh, and Brisker more so than than Sign. Yeah, besides just kind of being in the box, you know. And how great can you be being in the box? Right, which we saw this year with Jabril Peppers in twenty twenty one. All right, when you're playing sixty percent of the snaps, how valuable are you really? You know. Yeah. All right, let's finish it off, and we weren't originally planning on talking about this guy, but we did a programming note, and we're going Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback at LSU. We're talking about this guy so late. Well, yeah, well, we had the editing note. We screwed up. Six foot of one, 195 pounds. 
He's only played 10 games the past two seasons for LSU after playing 15 as a freshman in 2019 on that national championship team where he had six interceptions. Hasn't had any interceptions since then. Hey, he's, he's a great athlete. We all know raw speed and ability and, and the ability to change direction is beautiful. His knee bend and his back pedal is beautiful. Um, and he can stay in his back pedal with his speed and stop big plays and then jump on the curl slants out routes. Like you don't see that. It's a very, he's a very rare talent. Um, his eyes are just locked on the wide receiver with good sideline mirror ability. Um, when he's in zone, he keeps the uh, he keeps his back to the ball with inside leverage, um, so he's not really an eyes on the QB much. Um, I, I'm not exactly how sure he will be as like that trailing corner because he just didn't operate as much. He worked from the back uh, pedal. Um, now with that cushion, it will leave him vulnerable. I think versus digs and, and deeper breaking routes. Uh, but again, he has great plant and drive to close on a throw. So that's something he can get better at. Um, needs more press man experience, but he has the ability and size for it. Uh, he needs more everything say, experience. Huh? He needs more everything experience. Yes. Here's what I'll say. And I don't say this if it doesn't show up multiple times. His effort flat out sucks as a tackler. And he gives up on plays. Plays that are going on in his zones. Like, it shows up. Like, that's a very real thing with him. Uh, he's a great talent. He's a top 10 talent. But he flat out, su- his effort sucks. And I don't say that about a player without feeling confident about it. Because I don't like question guys' effort. But his effort just sucks at times. And that that worries me about a player. And like you mentioned with cornerback bus rate, that worries me even more so. 2020, he played 429 snaps. Had a leg injury that he missed you know, some of the season with. And then there was a foot injury in 2021 where he played only 154 snaps this year. Um, 2019 played 986 snaps and looked really elite. And that is what people talk about when you talk about Derek Stingley Jr. People talk about his 2019. I'm sorry. It's uh, it's 2022. Uh, I don't want to hear about a guy's... Also, people's draft evaluations two years out are usually horribly wrong. It's just really going off for production and high school prospect rating like you, they are they're always wrong no one's actually doing the homework on those yeah i i get it Derek stingley jr could have had a really great season he could have been one of the best freshmen ever and blah 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 if if you're showing me something if you're telling me why somebody is worthy of not just being a first round pick because stingley could be a first round pick he probably will be he is right? a first round pick you know he, he definitely gonna be but people are saying that he's better than sauce and if 2019 that's insane to me Oh yeah, it's it's that that's a thing. I do there's prob- second there's probably, best corner, but he's not better than sauce. There's probably people commenting on this being like Stingley is better than sauce. But if your main reason is showing me what he did in 2019 and telling me about what he did in 2019, that's that's definitely not going to cut it for me. Sorry. Well, I'll show you what Amon Gardner did in 2021 and it was better. Um, and again, that effort stuff it flat out shows up, and you may not get to see it from the broadcast version all the time, but it shows up, and it's. Yeah, I don't. I don't put that note on guys if I don't have like really confidence in that I'm saying, and and it does show up. So, yeah, um, he's a first round player, but I think he's got uh, ability to be a bust. Now we we can also look really stupid talking about him right now, the way we're talking about him, and he can ball out. He can be a top corner in the NFL. He has all the ability in the world to do it, and he's done pretty good at times. Um, but you know, it's he's he he he's a scary player of the draft. PFF has him as the number one cornerback, uh, third on their overall big board, and shades of Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Dominique Rogers Cromartie has you as the third overall player on PFF's big board. Well, I'm, I'm 
like shades shades of like that's the player comp. Okay. I mean, he's a hell of a talent. Like I, I don't want to take that away from him, but there's I have real worries about the guy. Um. So that's it. That's our cornerback uh uh and safety episode. Maybe next year we'll probably separate that into two. We'll see. Maybe it won't be a need anymore. Um, we'll be back. I think we're going to do three episodes next week. I think we landed on that. It's going to be a busy weekend, but you know what? I can deal with it. We're going to be talking about interior offensive line, and then we've split up tight end and running back. We're going to give tight ends their own episode and then running backs their own episode. Maybe we'll only do eight running backs, uh, but I felt like doing four running backs would have done which would have been a disservice. Um, and there's more than six tight ends I want to talk about, so... Uh, we'll definitely hit 10 tight ends. So we appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Passover. We'll see you guys on Monday for your three-episode week. We appreciate you guys. See you until then. Let's go Big Blue.